you're listening to Science, COVID-19 and Other Viruses. Hello, welcome. This is the first episode. If you guys have seen the trailer, you know what this podcast is going to be about. Uh, I hope I can maybe do a spin-off podcast later about me and my life. But let's, um, let's start. I want to start in this first episode. I want to talk really about pandemics in the past. And, of course, the one that we experience today in today's world. Um, probably the most notable uh, pandemic in history would be the bubonic plague. Uh, around um, That happened from around 1066 up until um, 1600, if you're counting the um, Great Plague of London, when it kept coming back and still it persists. And it sometimes it comes back today. I mean, there was a case in 1911, San Francisco, 2015, Madagascar. But um, nowadays we have treatments for it. Now, as it's a bacteria, not a virus, we can just we can use antibiotics. But viruses. That's what makes this COVID so hard to fight why it took so long i mean not long but it took quite a while to um get a vaccine over a year but um but why why does it take so long i'll answer that question in this podcast so basically vaccines are um well, there are different types of vaccine. You've got your first-generation vaccine, your second-generation vaccine, you've got your third-generation vaccine. I mean, first-generation, that we use is our most tried-and-true method. That's when we inject um, a weakened or dead version of a virus into your, onto your body and um, through an injection, usually, or sometimes a nasal spray. And, um, and that is almost like a dressed rehearsal how to think of it's almost like and your body your body it cannot do any damage so your body comes at it fights it off with your your immune system and so when it's ready for the real thing it's had its rehearsal it's ready for the real thing almost like a stage of the upcoming um upcoming bits to a play and then um and then you have the real performance when it actually encounters the virus no vaccines 100 percent effective that's something to consider, but um, they can produce dangerous side effects. They seem oh great, 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 but how long does it take? Well, usually when we're not in a, a pandemic, uh, it would take mm, around ten years, and ninety percent of candidates don't make it. The reason being is it's not hard creating a vaccine candidate what the hard part is clinical trials when you're rolling out it to one person ten people a thousand people and the way that we got this vaccine so quickly thinking it didn't take 10 years for this covid vaccine and a few made it through the race there were multiple winners but it's just the we the reason we made it is because we tested simultaneously i mean all these labs, I mean, the AstraZeneca vaccine, the Moderna, the, um, Pfizer, um, the Pfizer jab, 
AstraZeneca, Moderna, and Pfizer, uh, the the Janssen, Johnson Johnson jab. I mean, all these different vaccines have been approved because they made it through clinical trials, but they did the testing simultaneously. So it still tested the same amount of people, and it um. And yeah, they, so they did that in the same time. And uh, yeah, it happened. And that's how we have vaccines approved. Now, why does it, do, why does it usually take 10 years? I'll tell you. It's because of incidents in the past that should have never happened because of bad making of vaccines. You are taking a risk. Every time you take a jab, you take a risk. And... There have been reports of people with dangerous side effects, not only with this COVID jab, but with incidents in the past. Like during World War II, when um, Allied soldiers were vaccinated for yellow fever. Um, Hundreds developed jaundice and hepatitis, and um, a few people actually died just from getting vaccines that were faulty, that didn't work, that actually gave them infections against yellow, actually gave them jaundice and hepatitis instead of vaccinating them against yellow fever. That really should have never happened. And then 50 years later, more happened, the Qatar incident, everything. So that made, um, that made the sort of, the WHO came together and tightened restrictions for vaccines to be approved in different countries. And um, yeah, that's what we have today. So I don't, I don't want us to. I, why don't we drift away from the topic of vaccines for COVID? We can explore that in maybe another episode of the podcast. We should just talk about um, the bubonic plague, maybe? The bubonic plague. I feel like it's just. Um, it can happen again, like I was saying in 1911, 2015. But we are prepared. We are prepared. So yeah, hopefully that um, that may, that reassures you that we are prepared if there were to be an outbreak, which I think is highly unlikely. If some countries claim to have an outbreak of the euphonic plague, I don't think that's true, but some might do. Anyway, um, just like to talk about um, about a hundred years ago. I know maybe a lot of you would have heard of this in history, something that shaped history. Just after World War One, the Great War, just after, sometimes before, and um, that's the Spanish flu of 1916, it said when it started. And that was a zoonotic virus, like the COVID-19, uh, and there were no treatments, no vaccine. And um, it spread through the world. They, they estimate around one in three people in the entire world were infected. And a lot of those people died. So why? How did it happen? How do, vi- how do viruses just suddenly emerge and cause global pandemics like COVID-19, the um, Spanish flu outbreak? Well, that answer is because a lot of these um, viruses are zoonotic viruses, meaning they're animal viruses that will have jumped humans. 
sometimes from bats, sometimes from birds, pigs, pangolins, snakes. I mean, um, I mean, the way that Spanish flu started was, I'm not in Spain. I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, it started in Spain. No, it didn't start in Spain. It, the reason why it's called the Spanish flu is because Spanish immigrants who worked the farms in Kansas got it first and then they spread it. So that's, that takes us to where it started, on a farm in Kansas, when a bird with the flu and a human with the flu met the same pig. The bird flu could not infect the human, and the human flu could not infect the bird. But when they met the same pig, you see, they could both infect the pig at the same time. And in one of those pig cells, both viruses came together and merged to create one zoonotic virus that could infect humans. And that created a deadly airborne virus that wreaked havoc across the United States and across the whole world. But eventually, as herd immunity came, it took a few years, but it went away came back a little bit, went away. I mean, yeah. And then um, smallpox, a leading cause of death. Just want to go back onto that. Smallpox, probably most infamous, has been eradicated because of vaccines. So we've made some progress with vaccines. But it's never going to be enough. We can't be immune to everything. We can't anticipate what viruses are coming i mean um some groups in um southern china have caught bats in caves registering if there are viruses they flag it if they're gonna if it's gonna make the leap to humans so yeah so we are making a bit of progress but still how are we going to get funding to make vaccines if you think about it you also need to think about the economy with all these viruses. They create massive economic losses. You're like, oh, just give them the vaccine. But how are we going to make it? You need money to make a vaccine. You need money to roll it into clinical trials. That's why all the vaccine candidates, or most of them, were funded by private industries. I mean, it takes a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of work. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard, actually, to create a vaccine. So, yeah. I just want to go back to um, bubonic plague. I know, well, that's more sort of a defining feature. We didn't have a vaccine. We didn't. And people say, oh, yeah, we overcame the herd immunity. But that lasted for hundreds of years. People were getting it left, right and centre. And that's basically, essentially, where they invented steps like social distancing and quarantine. Like in um, the Great Plague of London, which was bubonic plague, um, they used to paint white crosses on the um, on the doorposts of houses that um, had the had the had the um, bacteria in them. People had been infected, so they asked them to quarantine, and a lot of them would die. And then, but that were that killed about forty nine percent of people that it infected. So some people survived and they gained immunity from it. But 
people people ask so um yeah can humanity fight off everything the answer is no humanity can fight off pretty much a lot but there are some um bacteria and viruses that kill a hundred percent of all the people that infect with no treatment um like pneumonic plague bubonic plague is different to pneumonic plague pneumonic plague is like bubonic plague but it affects the lungs and causes difficulty breathing and eventually death that kills 100 percent of people that infect but that that disease is very unlikely to be coming up and we would have treatments for it nowadays we would have antibiotics yeah, so that's mainly why we don't develop vaccines to um, for new viruses that are out. I mean, this pandemic, um, it was pretty predictable. I mean, not as predictable as what the virus was going to be, what it would turn into, but we knew there was going to be some sort of pandemic because we hadn't seen one for a while. And um, usually pandemics come out every, we say, 150 years, 100 years, like large global pandemics like COVID. So that's the uh, thing. And everyone was, I remember at the beginning, um, when it first emerged, people were going crazy. I mean, because we haven't seen anything like this. How would we react? How would we do anything? It just seems so so weird, doesn't it? I mean, when it first emerged in February, February of 2020, when we first heard about it and we locked down in March, um, I don't think people really thought that's oh, a threat. And people were being reassured that the NHS were prepared and they knew how to deal with it. When that pandemic hit, when we had all those confirmed cases... In the UK, I remember, I remember the first COVID death, and then it started to ramp up, more COVID cases, more COVID cases, and then a lot of people were infected. I mean, I myself, I think I, I probably had it, and I know a lot of other people, my relatives, they were infected, they tested positive, so I mean, a lot of people. I mean, yeah. So that's why I'm glad a vaccine came. And I'm glad at the time that it did come. Since we had a few waves of the COVID, COVID-19, we've been having a few. We've had the most recent variant, the Delta variant, the names of the Greek alphabet, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. But um, why do viruses mutate? Well, you see, the thing is about viruses mutating is that they're, um, is that they become stronger, depending on how they mutate. I mean, this Delta variant, a lot of people catch it, but it's not as deadly as the original variant we saw, which was, which was not as deadly as other viruses. I mean, it was pretty low down in the, in the, in the deadliness and infectiousness. I mean, with all viruses, you can bring them down on that scale. If you have treatments. I mean, we didn't have anything. This was like SARS and MERS. But then people ask, okay, SARS, 
um, a viral outbreak mostly in China. Why didn't that become a pandemic like we see today? The reason is SARS was a lot more deadly and the big the big factor is you could only spread it if you had symptoms. This COVID-19, around one in three people do not have any symptoms and that is so easy to spread. I mean, SARS was a lot more deadly, so was Ebola, because most of the people who were infected just couldn't go out, they just stayed home because they were so ill. I mean, yeah, I mean, you think, and then people survive, and then eventually uh, we get herd immunity and your immune system ramps up. Yeah, so that's, that's why SARS didn't turn into a pandemic that we see today. So I just want to, the last thing on this um, first episode, I just want to say, um, I just want to talk a bit about the, um, another virus, uh, smallpox, we talked a little bit about earlier. I just want to say that smallpox um, affected thousands millions of people i mean that was the big virus that happened for hundreds of years until we created the vaccine i mean the first successful vaccine made by edward jenner was to fight smallpox by injecting cowpox and that's how the vaccine worked and it did work it worked because we could get it to people people were getting immune and then eventually we gave enough vaccines and then enough people came um, immune became immune from getting it or either getting a vaccine that it became eradicated from the world a major achievement i mean there are still um a sample of smallpox because they think it might be useful to fight other viruses in the future but that that's kept in secure facilities and will not will never get out. That's just that's kept in a very secure facility. So it's declared eradicated from the world. So you cannot get this anymore. We cannot we can do it eradication, but it's very hard. Like smallpox, that would take hundreds of years to get it eradicated from the first vaccine in the seventeen hundreds to the last vaccine dose given in the eighties. That takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money. As we're saying, these pandemics cost money. And there's always a race with humanity and pandemics. And a pandemic hasn't beaten humanity yet. And I don't think it ever will. That is the end. Thank you very much for listening. And stay tuned for more podcasts. And we might even invite special guests next time if you like this make sure to share this podcast and uh, stay tuned for the next episode okay bye bye